Hello, I'm Gnome. Welcome back to the story. It's nice to have you here. Grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe some cookies, and relax for a little while I tell you the next bit of this story. If you're new here, might I suggest going back one episode just to catch the beginning before basking in this chapter? And now, before we begin, I have some exciting news. I got my first email suggestion from my mom. But you know what? I appreciate it and I'm counting it. And she wrote in to say this. Hi Gnome, I loved your first chapter, thoughts. Don't forget you have a few, a few, a few repeats to fix and the character voice needs to be louder or the background quieter. You could do something more with a pissing contest. Drawing pictures, maybe pissing as close to the toes of the other person without pissing on them. That's about as imaginative as I get. I got you, Mama. In this chapter, there does indeed begin a pissing contest. Also, I'll remember to listen through once more after I'm done clipping everything together to catch any repeats or quiet character voices. And remember, if you'd like to suggest something for me to add to the next chapter, you can write into hello.im.gnome at gmail.com. That's all lowercase, no apostrophe. The address will be in the description of this episode, so you can just feel free to click on that instead of typing it all in. And always feel free to write in for multiple chapters, because it'll make me feel important. And one last thing before I forget, this podcast does contain mature themes and should be considered NSFW or not safe for work. And as such, is absolutely not intended for children. Please keep that in mind while listening. And now, without further ado, here is chapter two. Can we really come out to play? It had been a couple of weeks, by Bertie's estimation, since he had been caught misbehaving. He remembered it rather vividly. He sat in a large haystack in the dubious privacy of the royal stables, vigorously buffing his personal scepter. There was a cough, and Bertie let out a startled moan as he released a stream of himself onto the stable boy's face. They both stared in shock at one another before the stable boy... A large man in reality, middle-aged and lovely in face beneath Bertie's bequeathment, licked his lips and offered to help. The guard who happened upon them while investigating the, quote, chilling cries that a passing maid had reported was not as enthusiastic about their activities, and Bertie shared the stocks with the stableman for a day. With a sigh, he tried his best to look meek and apologetic for... Whatever it was he had done this time, as he entered his king's royal chambers, winking at the chambermaid as he passed her by. King Harbeth was busy, as he usually was, since his return home. He didn't look up as Bertie entered, and Bertie casually popped his hip and surveyed his fingernails. They were a little dirty. He'd have to clean them before his date with Aglin, the plump little cook of beguilingly androgynous features. After another minute of thought, King Harbeth still hadn't acknowledged him, so Bertie quietly cleared his throat. He received a glare from underneath the single bushy eyebrow for the intrusion. In Bertie's opinion, the king's brow was a sight to behold. The great caterpillar-like line of fluff was gray and woolly like a sheep. 
It was adorable. As was his king's special wee little one-eyed, Yes, I see you there, Bertie, and it would behoove you to learn a little patience. I'm busy, so you can wait while I finish. Aye, my lord, Bertie replied. It's just as well. It'll allow me to finish a thought. He smiled then and put his hands behind his back, and then began to rock back and forth from the balls of his feet to his toes, and then back onto his heels again. He began to giggle to himself, quiet, huffed puffs of air with barely any sound. <laughs> the king eyed him for a moment. What thought has you so cheerful, boy? I could have you put in the stocks for being annoying, you know, he said. His fluffy eyebrow raised up a little, the hairs mingling with the hair on the king's head. Bertie giggled again. <laughs> oh, you know, I was just thinking about your wee kingly dingly is all, he said, still rocking back and forth. The king's eyes flew wide. My what? Bertie gave a little hop and began to balance on one foot, his other leg at a right angle from his body and nearly straight out in front of him. While Bertie had previously decided to be good during his meeting with the king, he found he simply couldn't help himself. You know, he replied, ye old slobberknob. The trouser snake, sire. You know what a penis is, don't you, my lord? Of course I know what a penis is, King Harveth bellowed. He stood up at his desk quite suddenly, looking angry and embarrassed, his face as red as a particularly lovely sunset that was also angry and embarrassed. Bertie remained unbothered as he stuck his arms out for balance and he slowly began to rotate himself. Yes, he said. Well, I was thinking that it was quite impressive for being so small. More so than your eyebrow for being so large. And... In fact, are they the same size? Bertie stopped his rotation when he reached the front again and made a show of considering seriously his own question. The king just groaned and sat back down. He put his head in one of his hands and let the other blindly feel about for the jug of wine that was on his desk. Bertie strode forward, picking up the jug and goblet before his king spilled wine on his paperwork. There you go, my lord. Bertie placed the full goblet into the king's groping fingers and set the jug back down. All better? Bertie, sometimes I wonder what sort of idiot one would have to be to not have killed you at birth, the king groaned after a loud gulp of wine. Bertie grinned. Well, that would have been the village idiot, sire. She was also the village midwife, he said and leaned a hip on the edge of the king's desk. She often said that I had one of the most beautiful infant smiles she had ever seen. Although she also yelled at the bushes for being too loud, so my mother always told me. I think, the king replied, considering his gesture carefully, that that explains a rather lot about you, boy. He brought the cup up to his lips again and sipped it slowly, an image forming in his mind of the young jester's upbringing. Does that mean you're rethinking this whole you have zero credentials, but you taught me how to pee in the snow when we were both drunk, so why don't you just come work for me thing? Bertie asked as he picked up a small dagger from the king's desk and began picking the dirt from under his fingernails. He continued, Because, honestly, I could understand that. That was not your wisest moment. 
You do insist on trying my patience, don't you, boy? Harbeth growled. He scribbled something onto a large parchment, rolled it up, and set it aside. He pulled another rolled-up parchment towards him and broke the seal before pausing. Get your hip off my desk. Yes, my king! Bertie said, curtly and loudly, hopping away from the desk suddenly and putting his fist to his heart in salute. He crossed his eyes and scrunched his mouth up to reveal far too many teeth, causing the king to grunt in frustration. Stop that. You know I hate that, the king said. Stop what, my king? Bertie replied, curtly and loudly. His eyes were still crossed and were beginning to hurt, and he stuck his tongue out. Bertie, the king growled in warning, and Bertie snapped off another salute and moaned loudly, Oh, my king! King Harbeth lobbed a book at his jester, shouting, God damn ye, boy! And Bertie ducked, laughing. <laughs> you missed, my lord. He chuckled, and the king huffed, taking another swig of his wine. Bertie went to the book, and the king watched as he stooped to pick it up from where it had landed by the window. The king glared sourly as Bertie crossed the room with the book, leaned his hip once again upon the king's oaken desk, and set the hefty tome down. "'Out with it, my lord. What's got you so testy today? You and the missus fightin'?' He reached to refill the king's goblet. You usually chuck the smaller books at me. The king raised his cup again, and this time drained it in one go, setting it down with a thunk. Bertie raised his eyebrows. My little brother, Prince Luthbert, is to visit for the end of the season. I need for you to plan the entertainments, the king said as he hurried to busy himself once again with the papers atop his desk. I'll need him to stay occupied and out of my way and most importantly, distracted. I still have much to do and haven't the time to cater to his ridiculousness as yet. Bertie considered for a moment before asking, My lord, do you not intend upon seeing him at all while he's here? The king replied, if I have the time, without looking up, and Bertie shifted his weight off the desk. The king noticed and looked up. What is it, boy? It's just... Well, he will be here to visit with you, my lord. And he is your brother. I can try to help you with your work if it will help you spare him some time. Bertie, there is no need for that. King Harbeth interrupted. I only need for you to keep him happy and out of my hair. Bertie tried to shrug it out of his mind, but couldn't. But, my lord, I... Boy, surely you have your own family to worry about. Stop worrying about mine, the king groused, and Bertie replied quickly, Oh, no, sire, my family is dead. It was a plainly stated fact. It wasn't as if he had no feelings at all on the matter, but the atrocities had occurred long ago, and Bertie felt no need to dwell on his situation as an orphan. After all, he had survived, and mostly unscathed at that. He had been fortunate. The others of his kin, however. If that was a joke, boy, King Harbeth stared at Bertie hard. It is in rather poor taste. He studied his jester's now strangely blank face and waited. It seemed as if the boy was lost in thought. The king grew concerned. Boy, 
he asked more gently. All at once, life seemed to flow back into Bertie, and he inhaled sharply, his eyes focusing, and his mouth manufacturing a smile that didn't quite seem... right. But it was there. Yes, my lord, he said, snapping to attention almost, and stepping back to bow deeply. Um, will you be needing anything more from me today? Bertie stood and backed away a little, bowing again every so often. Of course not. What am I saying? You're the king. You have everything well in hand. Quite the self-sufficient fellow, aren't you? I'm sure your queen appreciates it greatly. I shan't take up any more of your time, my king. He was at the door now, and he opened it. And rest assured, Kingy Pooh, your brother will be the most entertained royal personage in all of Kent. With that, Bertie slipped out of his king's chambers, leaving the king confused and concerned inside the heavy door thudding resolutely shut behind him. If there was a distraction to have been had at the bottom of any of the five or so tankards of ale Bertie had helped himself to in the kitchen, it would have been found. As it had not been, he tried to keep going, but Cookie had caught on and banished Bertie to the chili out of doors. He groaned and staggered. Since King Harbeth had brought him to Kaima's castle under his employ, Bertie had poked about only a little and never beyond the castle walls. It wasn't because he felt insecure about being in a new place, however. Indeed, Meryton, the small town in which Bertie had met King Harbeth, had only been a temporary stop along the road. To where, he never knew, but it hardly mattered to him anyway, so long as he kept moving. Heaving a sigh, Bertie rubbed his upper arms, trying to buffer himself against the cold. But to little use, as the sharp wind cut through his thin, dark shirt, making him shiver. Bertie considered his tasks for the day. It was already late afternoon, and Kent was mid-deep in winter, so Bertie's tasks were blessedly limited. No wash, though his clothing would most likely benefit from some soap. No meetings, there being no banquets or events planned for the evening, and his presence was hardly required at dinner. However, beginning to plan his repertoire for the upcoming visit should be somewhere on that list. Ah, fuck it, Bertie muttered to himself, and he lumbered off to his apartment within the castle to retrieve his warm things, and then it was off to the tavern for him. The patrons were loud, and there was a group of musicians playing a rowdy tune in the corner by the fireplace. The place was bright and warm and full of lively sound and happy faces, but Bertie somehow didn't feel like being a part of it. He chose a table by the fireplace, cozied up in his cloak, and gave his order to the table maid. He had chosen a table by the fireplace, cozied up in his cloak, and gave his order to the table maid. And there he sat, alone, gazing into the head on his brew and ruminating on his grumpiness. He thought, as he idly swirled the beer in his mug, about what had led him here, to this chair, in this bar, feeling so... lost? He asked himself verbally, tasting the word. He finally took a swig of beer, dark, earthy, and tasted like feet, and swiped his mouth sloppily with the back of his hand. 
He had still been slightly drunk from his pilfered royal ale, and the long walk in the cold winter had sobered him a little. Now, with the footy alcohol and the warmth and the noise of this tavern, he found his head comfortably cloudy, and he rested it in his hand. He did not like the thought of being lost. The more he thought about it, the more he realized he was getting fairly comfortable here in this place with these people. He was getting to know them, to like them, and they were getting to know him and seemed to be growing, well, if not fond, then at least used to him. He remembered the last time he had gotten cozy in one place, and then the fire, and the screaming, and the clunking of armor. Bertie groaned and pressed his palm to his forehead. He did not notice the young lady that parted from her group to approach his table. You alone? She asked, leaning over the table. Bertie gasped and looked around himself. Ye gods, I didn't think I was, he slurred. But here I am, obviously talking to myself. Yes, I'm alone, now slough off. He put his nose back into his mug and waited for her to slough off. She did not slough off. Bertie looked up again. Listen, I'm sure you want to have a good time or rid me of my coin, but tonight I'm grumpy and broke. Perhaps we can plan for an evening where all are significantly better tempered. He offered and stood himself up to make for the door. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to pee. The young lady stopped him. I'll make you a deal then she said and gracefully wrapped Bertie's arm in a hug. I'll wager against you having a better pee than me, she said. This made Bertie stop trying to pull his arm from her chest and grind his fuzzy brain back into service. Excuse me, but what? If I have a better pee than you, sir, you'll share my company for tonight, she said. She released his arm and wandered away. I just need one thing, and then we can begin. Wait for me outside, okay? But don't start without me. Bertie, confused sot that he was just then, stood and waited for her right there as the strange woman took an even stranger apparatus from her bag near her original group and strode back towards Bertie. She linked her arm through his then and dragged him outside. <clears throat> Madam, Bertie said. The woman had pushed him up against the outside wall of the tavern and then turned her back to affix the apparatus to herself. Madam, I may switch proclivities and have known the snake a few times myself, but I fear this would be a new experience for me. Shush for a moment, dear. I'm trying to concentrate. Her back was still turned, her skirts hoisted above what looked like a small leather tube held in her hands, and she then released a stream from it. Bertie stepped up beside her. He watched as the steady yellow stream wavered a bit, and then picked back up, and after a few seconds finally died. There, she said, and stepped back to admire her own work. What do you think of that? Bertie considered. That is impressive. He put a hand to his chin, considering still. But there's no flare. Flare? she repeated. Flare, Bertie confirmed as he stepped up. He uncaged his fleshy pull rope and began to relieve himself.
Hey there, you have officially reached the end of this episode. Don't forget to tune in in... in... about... four weeks to find out what happens next. Oh, it took me such a long time to get this episode out. I am so sorry about that. But hey, if you have something you would like for me to add in the next chapter in about a month, you can email me at hello.im.gnome at gmail.com. And please remember that all of these chapters and episodes are written, produced, put together by little old me. That's why it took so long this time around. I'm sorry again. Music and sound effects from this episode are provided by Railex PDX, DMJ, Crossing 67, Cubo Dup, Mike Mono, sorry about that, GIS Sweden, Maui 15, Raphael 45, and 170084, all of which can be found on freesound.com. Please go to them. They have some great sounds, guys. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. throwing random consonants about, I suppose. I'm not wearing any pants. <laughs> the patrons were loud, and there was a gloop. A gloop. <laughs> there is a full-on gloop. <laughs>